Okay. Here we go. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Julia. Or good evening, everybody. This is Julia from the locally sourced. Today we're talking with Will Canes of, of Wicked Bass. Wicked Bass shrubs are all-in-one mixes that allow you to easily transform ordinary boring drinks into refreshing, vibrant, well-balanced cocktails or mocktails bursting with flavor that tastes like they were just made by a professional bartender. Looking for a delicious and creative way to infuse your drinks? Look no further. Now more about Will. Will Keynes grew up right side, right grew up right, right outside of Boston. His parents are from uh, Trinidad and Tobago, right? Yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> he spent he spent a generous amount of time at Walden Pond and could be found picking wild berries with his family. Family members would also bring homemade ginger beer, and later these would become shandies. At the time, it never occurred to Will that the that other families on would on the blankets at the pond were dipping their fruits into spicy pepper sauce. Then, years later, his passion for shrub making sprang out of his passion for bartending. So you'll see a lot of inspiration behind these beverages as to which he created. And for many of us, 2020 was a time of serious self-examination and growth. Will took advantage of this time and revisited the art of humanistic experience and creation and imagination. Will, we're happy to have you and cheers. Can't wait to get started. Thank and you so much for having me. It's going to be great. And you're located right outside of Stoneham, right? Uh, I'm in Revere right now, but yeah, Stoneham, Stoneham is where I make my shrubs. So that, that's, I call that my home base. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. Home, as you can say, homegrown or locally grown. And the whole, um, so like, let's hear more about you, your background, your family, um, really just the inspiration behind us. And as he, Will was so kind to drop off a free a sample and we're going to get started. We're going to have a little bit of fun with this tonight. So, but for, with that, without further ado, cheers. Cheers. And I have the strawberry kiwi lime on me right now. And we'll be okay. going. Right today, so, so are you drinking that straighty drinking that with soda? Is there soda water in there? There's soda water in here. Okay. Um, I would have done the tequila tonight, but I figured it'd start slow. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Oh, that one's good. That one's really good. I'll try another one a little bit. I'm going to let that, I'm going to save for that a little bit before we try the next one. I think I know which one I'm going to do last. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, tell us more about how you got your started. I gave you a little bit of a glimpse, but I want to hear from you. You're going to be able to provide us with that with a rich detail and a rich story about how you got started, your family sure. and came to be. Sure. So, I mean, you definitely like the, the COVID experience is definitely, was definitely a, a transformative part in mm -hmm. this coming to being. Uh, but before COVID, I was planning with my, my buddies, we was planning on starting a bar. Mm -hmm. So I had been doing, I guess I'll, I'll start there and we'll work our way back. But I, I had been planning on developing. So I was working on developing recipes mm -hmm. and I had come to this idea as I was developing recipes uh, that my style of drink making, like the, the flavors that I was attracted to in my head, the idea I came up with was this uh, New England tiki was the phrase, right? Like I definitely am a big fan of, of tiki style cocktails. I love like the different layers of flavor. Um, but just the, the different flavors that I was definitely being attracted to. I was like, you know what? These all have certain things in common. So that was kind of like stuck in my craw in the back of my head. 
when COVID hit and like the the idea of opening that bar kind of fell through, um, and we were all kind of stuck at home, kind of think things things to do. Um, I had already been making these, and I, one of my friends just was like, you know, you should try to see if you can put them in a bottle. Mm-hmm. And so I started like doing that and like giving them to uh, to friends, and people really liked it. And that's kind of how the the idea of even starting a business um, or even starting something like that came to be. Um, and then in retrospect, when I started to think more about like why, like I I came up with the idea of New England Tiki without even really thinking about the fact that my my parents were from Trinidad mm-hmm. and like okay, that's why right like that's that's why I'm kind of attracted and like once I kind of came to that conclusion it, it kind of made sense right. and you know again reflecting more like one of my favorite memories just early on was just those trips to Walden's Pond um, and to me that kind of summed it up because we would we would like back in the day you could we went out into the you know the natural environment and you could pick berries, right? Yeah. I don't know if they, I don't know if you can do that now. I don't think you can. I was actually just talking to my uncle the other day, and he was a little upset at just the what not Walden's Pond was now. Like it's not the way it was when you know back in the day. Um, but the other the other thing was that in in my family, one of the like a common way to eat fruit is you always kind of have some pepper sauce. It's always like whatever fruit it was. There'd always be like a little dish with like pepper sauce. There'd be like a little dish with some salt. And so you take like even something like an apple, you like dip, dip it in a little bit of salt and then dip in the pepper sauce. And like that was the snack. So it was a little bit of savory, a little bit of spice. And then the pep, the, the apple would be, be like the sweet. Okay. Would that extract the flavor more? That? Would that extract the flavor more? So... Again, this is just like as a snack, you just, you're not really like, it's not like resting in any of those ingredients necessarily. It's just like you chop up an apple, you have like a little plate with some salt, like on it, almost like you're doing like a, like a margarita rim. Yeah. And then like a uh, same thing with like a, a, a plate of like pepper sauce and you just like take the apple and like back in Trinidad, there's other fruits that you would do the exact same thing with. So when my family came here, those other fruits didn't exist here, so they would do the same thing, but with like apples, which is more um, native to where to where we were. So that's kind of how I grew up, like that that um, I don't know dichotomy or that 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 uh, contradiction, right? Like the the that type of fruit, but like in that original like Trinidadian type of preparation. So that like the more that that like kind of sunk in, the more I was like, oh, I definitely want to do something with this. And a lot of that time of COVID was just kind of reflecting on like um, my mom, you know, who passed like 15 years ago, but like, and the influence that she had on me. And I just started like, all right, maybe I'll start something with this. It just kind of an expression of that whole experience. That's kind of where my passion comes from um, to actually do it and, and keep pursuing it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then as far as like, um, but yeah, so then from from there after we, you know, the bar kind of thing fell through um, and I'm a big fan of Shark Tank. So I've watched like every single episode. So the idea of doing something like that's like right on the on the tip of my tongue, like I want to do something. And this was like, you know, this this could be kind of cool and kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, talking to friends and like, what what should I name it? I need it to be something that's Caribbean 
and also New England. And one of my buddies was like, what about Wicked Best? It's like, mm. oh, that's perfect, right? Like, so Wicked, you know, obviously if you're in Boston, you know what Wicked is, but Best is kind of the, the same type of meaning, but in a Caribbean slang. Okay. And like in Trinidad, they have like something called the Best Fest, which is like their premier food festival. So I was like, that's actually kind of perfect. And that's so I just kind of, I just kind of ran with it. That's totally, that totally fits. I like how uh, like it was just like merged and I read up a little bit like on uh, Instagram and on Facebook as well. And just how, just like how you like really perfectly married the two of them together. Like, like you have your, your roots and then you have like your upbringing and just the way that it came together, like seemed like it was so flawless. Like, yeah, I mean, sometimes when you come up with it, if you're, if, one is not able to come up with a name it's so obvious that it's not you know right, so right, right. I think that's a stroke of like creative genius to be able to put those two together like all right cool like this is what this is where I live this is where I'm from and there's clearly a sense of pride in the two of them yeah exactly yeah, yeah so much yeah 100 yeah and it's like a nice homage and a nice homage of like all right, well, this is like, this, these are two very distinctive parts of your identity as well. Right. So I thought that was like so, so cool and so creative as to how you put the two of them together. Thank you, Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in terms of like bartending, how did you get into that whole scene? Because of course, before COVID, like it was, uh, it's always booming. It's like, it's, it's never going to go away. Right. COVID. It's going to be different, but it's never going to go away. Right. No. So, I mean, I actually got into bartending later in life, right? Mm -hmm. Like before bartending, funny story, I was playing professional online poker. Like that was my, yeah, that was my, that was my main gig. And then in 2011, they kind of pulled the plug on it and I couldn't play anymore. And I was like, all right, I got to do something else. Mm -hmm. And I think around that time I was very into like watching like Top Chef, uh, Hell's Kitchen, like a lot of those cooking shows. And I knew I, well, I didn't know, but I, I kind of had this sense that I wanted to work in like a restaurant or something like that. I wanted to do something. I didn't want to sit behind a desk or in a cubicle or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I just kind of found my way into this restaurant in the North End. It was part of the Fairmont Battery Wharf called Aragosta. And looking back, like I was just super lucky because was, that was one of those restaurants where everybody that worked there was super passionate about like food, beverage. Um, and so I, I was just, that was my introduction into what uh, hospitality is, but it was at a very, very high level where like top to bottom, everyone in there was super um, dedicated and really wanted to do like the best, which I thought was awesome. Cause I was coming on, like, that's just part of my personality. I think like, I just, I want to excel at whatever, what, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I just want to do it really well. Right. And I, I really didn't have that or associate that type of mentality with um, restaurants in general. Like, I just wasn't aware of it. Like, I would, if I went out before that, I would go to like Fridays or not to put down Fridays, but it, it was just a different level of experience when you're, when you're in one of those types of restaurants. Right. Um, and so that was like the foundation. And so immediately I was just like, oh, I kind of want to get behind the bar. And it, it offered like a level of creativity. Like I knew I was never going to be a chef per se, mm -hmm. you know, but a bartender, it just seemed more attainable that yeah. like I could like learn to like put together the idea of like making things for somebody else. 
yeah. I was really like attracted to. Um, so as soon as I got into a restaurant, I was like, I want to, I kind of want to get behind the bar and it, you know, it took, obviously it took a few years, but finally got behind there. And once I got behind there, I no looking back, I guess. Right. Took on a life of its own. Yeah. Now you're still able to, I think also with the difference between a chef and a bartender, like you have so much, like there's so much face time that you do get to interact with people. Yep. And based on talking to you in the past 15, 20 minutes and over the pet course of the past week, like you're driven by that. Like it's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's so evident, like, yeah. through. <laughs> and, like, I think like it really, while it can take a specific type of personality, if you want it like badly enough, or just to really push yourself outside that comfort zone, you'll yeah. do it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And in a high stakes environment of like Aragosta, like it's, I mean, it's in the North End as well. So it's very family based. So yeah. the drivers and like in that sense of community as well. So when you're surrounded by that, it's either ship in or ship out. Ship yeah. Out. So like, that's, that's awesome. Like, I just like, and I've never, I'm, all the places I've been to in the North End, that's the one that I didn't go to. <laughs> so they got the, the place it, when it was owned by, when it was owned by the Fairmont, the place was phenomenal. Like everybody took, so much pride like i can't i still i'm still in very much touch that was like i don't know almost 10 years ago but it, i'm still in touch with everybody of all the places that i've worked that, that that's the one place where everybody still kind of stays in touch yeah. and a lot of people that i worked with there had a, a not a say but like they've had input into what i'm doing now right because they were they kind of built that foundation um but yeah that's awesome that's great. And how did you get into poker? Because <laughs> you're going so, back. <laughs> if, we go, if we go before poker, I was like, I was trading stocks. I've always had, I guess I've always had this uh, thing in me to try to do things that people think can't be done kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I had been, I was working for a trading firm on Long Island. Um, and while I was trading and I was struggling, like trading, trading stocks, extremely difficult. But like while I was doing that, poker was starting to become more popular, starting to become online. And I honestly, I just put $50 on, on a site one day and started playing and immediately started winning. And then once that happened, I started getting books and then realizing that there was so much more behind it. So once that became uh, apparent to me, then I started like studying. And then like actually getting really good. And then I was able to like make enough money that I didn't have to work. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I think like, and also like, I mean, even just in entrepreneurs in general, like if like, if you're not constantly learning or if you don't have that drive to learn, then it's just going to fall flat. So and that's one of the, one of the, when you like, one of the biggest takeaways from poker is if you're not getting better, you're actually getting worse, right? Like there's no, there's no middle ground. You right. have to constantly be getting better. Right. And it's something that's like instilled, like I just instilled it in myself. And it's something that I've like carried from that experience. And I'm definitely appreciative of it for sure. No, I think that's like, and you know, this is something that comes up in the, like, I think I took over this uh, podcast from a friend of mine, but I think in every, or even just listening to every, um, episode it's just like the common ground is like and I do mention this every time and they're probably never not going to mention it 
but the common ground is that growth mindset. Like, you know, once you're stagnant, if you know you're stagnant, then that's like, then that's good because you're just like, all right, well, what's the next best thing? It's not like there's gratifications. Like, all right, what do I need to do to keep pushing myself? Like, cause once you get bored, then it's all over. As you alluded to earlier, like it's all over, like nothing else. Like you're not going to continue to grow. You're not going to continue to learn. But I've learned like, even like, regardless of like how, like a hardship or for you, um, <clears throat> excuse me, for you, it was the, the pandemic. Like, all right, well, now is the time to get creative. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs see this, like the create the creativity is their weapon. Like that's what they use to get ahead. And you have to really be willing to be able to think outside the box and to be vulnerable to, and to make that mistake because. So that's one of the, <clears throat> if we're talking about reflecting during that 2020 period, like one of the biggest takeaways during that time period, maybe a little bit before was this, the idea that it's okay to fail. And that's yeah. something that like goes way back from like when, when I'm a kid. Right. And I think I, it's something I've noticed in, I think it's in everybody, right? Like this, it's a, a fear of failure. And I think something that we've learned usually typically, I know for myself at a very young age, it's something you just kind of carry with you. But once you get that mindset that it's okay to fail and mm -hmm. it's okay to make mistakes, all of a sudden, all kinds of things get unleashed. Right. Right. Pandora's box open, so to speak. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, it really. And, you know, like even I'm a teacher, I do a bunch of other stuff as well. But like, I think past 10 years, been, but I think like having if I didn't, if you don't have those experiences, are you is one even like, can you think so quickly on your feet? No, because like it, if you have a frame of reference, it's easier to say, all right, well, I've seen this before. What's the pattern that, that it was like, what's the new pattern? Um, mm -hmm. What's the story that you tell yourself? And, you know, I think that when, and that, that's a really hard shift because I think in education generally, like if you get the good grades, that's the only train out of here that you're going to take, which is not true right. by any means. And, you know, like there is a sense of genius in every kid's child student out there but when you're being taught one way and you're expected to teach one way you're not going to be able to see it the blind is yep. around and you could be like a teacher or a student could be missing out on a real prime example of like what their type of intelligence is and i think a lot of times like not even education but a lot of times in society people lose sight of that agreed and, you know, I think that when you're with you, like you're able to pull from your own personal experience as a, as a kid, like, like even your family experiences and your family history and how, and it really did manifest into something that like you didn't even see could happen. Yeah. Right? And that, and that to me, like, that's part of the beauty of it, right? Yeah. And it, you know, without even getting religious or spiritual, that's part of the beauty of it. Like I didn't see most of it. Right. You know what I mean? And it, it, it was kind of happening on its own. And it's yeah. only like looking back that I'm able to piece it together. Like, oh, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. And like yeah. once once those revelations kind of kick in, I'm like, oh, this is cool. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah and like, like, that gets me that gets me more fired up. Right. You know, to like, cause it's, it's something that's even bigger than me. Yeah. I think that's like, and, you know, I think with um, 
like with what you want to contribute and like I think in some like I'm like I'm excited and curious to see like what that's gonna what this is gonna look like in a year from now for you even like six months it's gonna be I think it's gonna be awesome and I think that when obviously you start small right right like you draw from the experience because it's great to have an end goal but it's like you draw you pull 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 and then you create something that's your own and I think that when it's just, I lost my train of thought here. I had a thought here, but whatever, it's fine. And <laughs> I think like when it's like, you know what you want, but sometimes the road to getting there isn't as clear. And I don't think it's ever going to be clear. And so I'll go back to, again, poker taught me so much, but like when you, when I started out playing poker, I told you I put $50 on, right? Yeah. And eventually I learned like, all right, I have to learn how to beat a $5 table until I can beat a $5 table and then I can beat a $10 table. But for me, there was like these incremental and then it was a $25 table and then it was a $50 table and it was a hundred dollar table, but I wouldn't start at the $200 table, right? right. Until I can beat the $5 table. Right. And so that, that kind of is how I'm approaching this in a certain way. When you, when you talk about like, keep it small, like I want to make sure I understand every uh, aspect or, or, you know, know that I'm doing all the details kind of right before I try to like be bigger. Right. You know? and, it, and it's not, and it's more process oriented more than results oriented. Yeah. Like even though I'm playing, I was playing for money. If this, the moment you start thinking about the money is the moment you're going to start losing, right? Like you have to be, you can't, you have to focus on, on the task at hand, whatever the, you know, whatever's in front of you and doing that as well as you can without really worrying about results. And that right. goes back to that fear of failure, um, but also just focusing on on the process itself. So that's I have like these vague ideas about like where I see this going. Yeah. But it's more about for me, there's an enjoyment in just going through the process and mm-hmm. just like doing all the little things and and you know learning all the different aspects of of running a business really. Right. Which is super important. And yeah. I, like. And as you said, when you, just the second you see everything as a dollar sign, like that's where it can get really murky. Yep. But if you see, if you like, I mean, if you see the product or you see the creativity, that is a dollar sign in some cases, because like you're not just so tunnel vision as to what it is that you want to achieve financially. Like that's going to take you there. You're putting your trust in the product that you're creating and delivering. Right. So I want to, and is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners about like how, um, like how you got started or like what other kind of helps you navigate this? Cause I really want to talk more about like how you come up with the flavors as well. And I know you touched on that a little bit, but like, what, what else can you, um, share with our listeners? So, I mean, again, and it comes from like, I'll, I guess I've gotten good at figuring out if I'm going to learn how to do anything, I'm going to figure out who's the best at it and then understand how they approach it. And usually I'll try to find like three or four bests and then see what they have in common. And that becomes like my foundation. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of the approach um, that I've kind of taken to bartending. I've been lucky enough to work with some really uh, talented bartenders just uh, from a hospitality standpoint, as well as like a mixology standpoint. But a lot of it just came from like reading books, 
uh, attending seminars, um, just doing a lot of research and then kind of understanding like, all right, what it is. So like balance is a, is a huge aspect or a huge part of what it is in any type of food and beverage, right? Like you're always trying to balance. Mm-hmm. And then you just apply like a scientific method, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so when I was developing the recipes, there's a lot of like, you know, there's, there were, I don't know how many versions there were, but you know, it was probably close to five, between five and 10 different versions mm-hmm. of each recipe before like, you know, and measuring everything, like weighing everything out, like, um, and then, and then giving it to other people. Like, I like this, but what does everybody else think? Because it's not always just about me per se. Yeah. Um, I want, I want, like, I enjoy it when other people like it. Right. right. So that's kind of that, that it's, I'm not just making it for me. I'm making it for other people. Right. So, you know, doing a, doing a version, testing it, uh, giving it to other people and then getting the feedback, you know, it's a little, it's not, it's not, doesn't have enough bite, doesn't have enough this doesn't have enough whatever and then going back all right let me up that portion of it uh a few more grams whatever till i get it exactly the way that i want to um and the flate like a couple of the books like the flavor bible is a was a huge influence which i see right there that yeah that's (laughs) one of my babies and that just the the idea behind it is simply looking up an ingredient Mm -hmm. and it has and it's all like some of the best chefs, you know, of of all time. But what their favorite pairings are with that ingredient, you know, yeah. what goes well with what goes well with pineapple. Yeah. And then, you know, depending on how many or, you know, how many people agree, certain words come up in bigger bold. And so you can see like, all right, this goes really well with pineapple. And you'll see like things that have been on like fancy menus, like I have this dish with, you know, pear lime and vanilla or you know what i mean so you're like all right let me try something with the with that type of combination because again i just i'm trying to find out who's the the best and i just copy them yeah and then have your own twist on it exactly and so that's how like that's how the pear lime ginger gets like the jalapeno or um yeah it's like it is 100 just putting my own kind of kind of spin on it yeah, oh, that's that's awesome. Now, before we get into the other flavors, how do you like? Because I think what's really important when you're um, when you're so bought in, you're so engaged in your own product, and you're trying to get it out there. What what do you do to create that balance between work and like play slash life, so to speak? Like, what do you do for yourself? Because I think it's like in a lot of ways, like getting started in some ways, like the hustle is really glamorized. Yeah. People don't know like how to rest, so to speak, and like how. Yeah. Like what? What's your um process with that? Like how do you go about that? So to be to be honest, like I enjoy it, right? Like I kind of enjoy, like even like stuff that I do on Instagram, like making videos or whatever, whatever it is. Like there's some there's some things that I find more difficult than others, but a lot of it. I just enjoy it. So I can just sit for hours, you know, doing something. Yeah. Um, I enjoy when I like at my old jobs, um, I've had people, you know, tell me like, you just love playing with your fruit, right? Like I like being in the kitchen and like messing around with making things. Like I, I, I just enjoy it. So it yeah. doesn't feel like I probably spend more time because it doesn't feel like, doesn't feel like work necessarily. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I think and there, are, there, there are 100% are aspects of it that do feel like work. Yeah. Um, and I just, again, it's just getting out of your comfort zone. And the more you get out of your comfort zone, the more, like, once you realize that you can push yourself out of your comfort zone, the easier it becomes to do it, you know, when necessary. So it's just yeah. like, it's, that's, that's really what it, what it comes down to. It's just. Right, right, right. Practice yeah. yeah, I think that, um, cause I think, and you know, I think in, even with 2020, like, as we discussed earlier, like it's really pushed people to really uh, rediscover what their passions were from before they jumped into that nine to five, before they yep. jumped to that next degree. And, you know, some people left the workforce altogether to really pay attention to what it is that did like bring them excitement and happiness at the end of the day. And, you know, I think that, and all the power to the to all of you to be able to do that and to be able to take that leap of faith, like not just like in what's going to happen, but in within yourselves to do that, because it's not easy. Like that's where that fear comes in. But, you know, I think that it's, it's really like the past year has given everybody like a, a blank canvas, so to speak, to really figure out like what it is that they want. And, you know, I think, I feel like, I'm hopeful that in the next few years, like it's going to be, that's going to be the case more and more since it was just pushed to do well academically. But now people are just like, as I get older, like, no, I really enjoyed doing this when I was younger. I'm going to see to it that I do this again. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's my spiel with it, but uh, so you gave, uh, sent over a couple of um, different flavors. The first one that I tried this was the strawberry kiwi lime. That was delicious, by the way. Um, next up, we have the blackberry orange mango. And as I said, I tried this with like with seltzer water for today, but ideally it would be tequila for a fruit. <laughs> <laughs> actually, all those three flavors go really well with tequila for sure. Oh, good to know. Happening then. Um, I might actually go down and do this after done with this and bring some over to my neighbors just to <laughs> so that's gonna happen later. So I'm gonna try the blackberry orange mango now and I'll let you know how that goes. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Ooh, that one has a kick too. That's the ginger. So there's gi there's ginger in that one. Oh, so there's totally. definitely like yeah. There's a, a reoccurring theme of ginger that just kept creeping up for me again when I went back in time and like understood. So if we talk about like the history of shrubs, that's another. It's an act. Another component we really haven't touched on. Yeah, but, touch on that a little bit. Let's let's get into that into that as well. Because it kind of it kind of has a. Like when I was early on doing it, one of my friends was like, you know, does it have to be a shrub? And, and I was kind of like, yeah, it does. Like I need it to be a shrub. And and I wasn't really, I was adamant, but I wasn't, I couldn't, I couldn't really verbalize why. But yeah. like I can, I can now. Like so a sh the shrubs, they they came into onto the scene probably around uh late 1600s, early 1700s. And it's it's directly associated with like colonial expansion. It has a lot to do with uh, sailors on ships making these long voyages. Yeah. And 
having to deal with scurvy and needing a way to have some type of citrus on the on the ship. Yeah. Um, and they and over time they kind of found that that was like a good prevention um, for scurvy. But okay. it was also like the way that they were preserving uh, orange um, or lemon was with alcohol, right? Like they would use, they would typically use rum, but they would also use sugar. And that's kind of how the early versions started. They're more like, uh, instead of vinegar, they would use rum. So it'd be like a combination of rum, sugar, and say orange. Okay. They would travel to other parts of the, of the world and the sailors, again, the sailors were like the main um, conduits of these recipes, right? Like they were the ones that brought them from place to place. And then eventually like a captain would pick up, everybody's drinking this, this thing and it's actually good for my guys. I'm gonna make sure that we always have this on, on the ship. Right. But they would also end up in these ports and then maybe they'd be, they'd be out of uh, like wine or something. They wanna like reproduce that the alcohol that they, they, would, they had on the ship. And one of the ways that they would do that was by taking like uh, a spirit, adding vinegar and then like balancing it out with sugar just to kind of, and fruit to approximate what they were drinking like as wine. Right. And then, Again, and this is happening over not like not like a couple trips. Like it's obviously something that's happening over like an evolutionary type of thing. Yeah. Um, they also made their way to the Caribbean, and in the Caribbean they were drinking something called switchel, which was instead of sugar they were using like molasses, um, but it was like apple cider vinegar and then ginger instead of fruit. It was like ginger, molasses, and apple cider vinegar, and that was like a mainstay. And one of the reasons they were drinking vinegar is because in these hot climates vinegar was known to be like a cooling agent. They really believe that like vinegar, <clears throat> even like at like room temperature instead of, cause they didn't really have access to ice. Yeah. But like vinegar at room temperature, like if you're out in the hot fields, like drinking a switchel was like, cooled you down. And so that was like a, a mainstay in these hot climates. So again, thinking about like this colonial expansion, making its way to the Caribbean and then making its way to, to New England. Um, and it, in New England, like in colonial era New England, shrubs and switchels were the most popular beverage at that time in that place. Um, okay. There's something called the Haymaker's Punch, which is like the was the most popular beverage at the time. And that was actually like a, a derivation or the same thing as switchel. And when you go and like look, like where did these things come from, you'll see... Uh, it's not known if it came from the Caribbean or if it came from New England. And in my head, I'm like, oh, I know where it came from, right? Like, <laughs> I'm very well aware. <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't there, but I, I have a guess, right? Like it just feels a lot like Christopher Columbus discovering America. And so like, I was like, all right, that's definitely for me, like it's tied in and somehow like I want I want to make these shrubs, right? Like, and they're, these are my shrubs kind of thing, you know? So that's like, that's definitely an aspect of the whole experience for me. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think that, you know, I didn't even, to be quite honest with you, well, I thought like when you were talking about, when I was reading up and I saw shrubs, I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that that is like, for me, it was just a misconception of like what that actually, like what that means. Cause you, everyone has an idea. Like, I mean, I had two shrubs out of my front porch and I'm like, okay, that is not what I had. In mind. <laughs> like the visual that I had 
a preconceived notion that I had about it is so different than what you just explained. And, you know, I think that, thank you for explaining that. And thank you to, for me and for our listeners and to really uh, give, like, and I have heard of like a haymakers punch before, but just like, I, I wasn't even fully aware as to what was used to really help sustain sailors and ship crews like way back. And, you know, like it's like this holistic, all these properties, all these plants like that were used so commonly and like in, in a recurrent fashion, like the seems to be like in talking to you, like a reclamation in a way, like I'm reclaiming it. Like, let's bring this back. This is what really did work. Like why not have it work again? Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of like a, like a reoccurring theme throughout in, in all different kinds of ways, right? Like it's more, so in my head, I would never have this made by machines. I think I would always want it to be made by human hands in some aspect of it. You know what I mean? So like it, that's all for me. That's all like, that's part of it. Right. And I think it's really easy to get away from like when a machine is making it, like, it's just, it's, it's monot- it is monotonous. And I think when like the, the human experience, like when you're making it yourself, like you're making this product, the value of it is so much higher than a machine putting it together, like slapping a sticker on it and then like shipping it out. Whereas yeah. you actually do all your own shipping yourself right now. Yeah. Yeah. I do everything. Yeah. And so like for you, like even just like tying back to the whole aspect of like the work life balance, like that is your work life balance. Like, I don't know about you, but like me going for a ride, is like pretty meditative. Like you're able, you're out on the road, you're able to get your thoughts together and probably even come back even more clear headed than when you first ventured out. Right. Yeah. 100%. And, and I think that like when, machines are brought into the mix in that capacity it's like it becomes so like so automatic that it's it's impersonal right like it's it's and i don't know i don't there's this there's intangibles in life right and like to me that's like that's kind of one of the intangibles right like i watched this documentary a while ago and it was about like in in japanese culture there's there's this uh, name that they have. So like, if you do like 10,000 hours of something, you, you're like a master, but in, in Japanese, it's almost like, I, I want to say it's like a hundred, but it's something, maybe it's 50,000, but it's something like an extension of that. And it's like these people that have spent their whole life learning how to, you know, save this wood in a certain type of way, or like do something with paper or, but just that type, that type of dedication to a craft, like I just have so much uh, appreciation for mm. that. And I kind of want to emulate it in some, in some fashion. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that it's just like when, um, with anything, like when you do spend so much time and there's so much passion behind it, it's so, it's so easy it makes it that much easier to be present in the world that's around you and to be aware of like what's going on around you, not necessarily shut off like what's bad, what's good, but like it's, it's heightened in a sense, like your, like your own emotions are like, you actually can feel them, so to speak, like as you're creating something, because there is in some ways blood, sweat and tears that goes into it. And you know, what goes into it. So when you know, what goes into it, there's, 
a deeper level of respect and understanding. And as you said, appreciation for someone who is really honing their craft or really buying into what it is that they think would make this world a better place. Yeah. You know, like leave it better than you found it. And yeah. one of the um, sayings that I use is like, it just takes like one little ripple to like create a wave. That's all it takes. And you never know who you're going to reach. You never know what you're going to be able to accomplish while you're doing this. And, you know, I think you're like with this, with Wicked Best, like it's going to create like a more of, it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be like, even locally, it's going to be um, a huge connecting point in like people an inspiration to a lot of folks. Well, that, that hearing that makes me excited. <laughs> that. That would, I mean, be, that would be that's that, that would be awesome again i don't i'm not thinking of end goals right like that's not like it's more about all right what's what's the next thing i have to do but yeah like something like that would be i i wouldn't even be able to describe how that would make me feel oh yeah yeah and i think i think it's like when you like when you really like you never know who you're going to reach yeah which is like part of the excitement of it all right yeah yeah, it's awesome. And 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 the um, the organic the organic feel of it, and just like just along along the way, like it's happened. You know, someone's reached out to me, and like I would never have even thought that person. You know what I mean? Like, and just yeah, who knows? Who knows? Now, what are, what are some of the other flavors that you have? Because I have the strawberry kiwi lime, I have the blackberry orange mango, and I have the pineapple lime mandarin habanero. Yeah. Is what so, the other ones and what is your favorite? So the definitely so my favorite is probably gonna be the pineapple for sure. Okay. And then the other ones would be uh the pear lime ginger jalapeno mm-hmm. and a uh grapefruit lime ginger uh with cinnamon. Ooh. Man, this is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> So right. the, the reason I was telling you before that the pineapple one is near and dear to my heart. And it's because when I was telling you about like the, that, those snacks, like with the apple and the salt and in the, in the, the pepper sauce, there's like a more evolved version of that snack. And we typically had it with mango. Um, mm-hmm. It's called chow. And you basically slice up or chop up some mango. Um, I think there's like, there's going to be vinegar or pepper sauce, right? Which, the ingredients for pepper sauce are kind of like the same ingredients of a shrub, sort of, so to speak, but without like as much sugar. It's just yeah. the, the different proportions. Um, so it's like pepper sauce. And then there's also going to be some cilantro uh, and some salt. And you kind of almost like when I've seen like cousins do it, like they just put it in like a big plastic baggie and basically shake it up like you're doing like a like a shake and bake kind of thing. Um, yeah. and then once the, the mango just becomes moist and all those flavors, you just snack on that. And it's so, it's just so delicious. Wow. And I, I had a, a cousin of mine that made one. So I had always had that growing up. I'd always had it with mango, but a cousin of mine one day kind of made it with pineapple. And okay. I hadn't really, again, I hadn't thought of it, but like when I was coming up, we're doing the, I want to do something with pineapple and then just the. The flavors is kind of like I read the books, but the flavors kind of pop into my head. Like what sounds good to me? Yeah. And, and like that was one. And then when I when I make a drink with that, I add like a, a sprig of cilantro when I shake it. Mm-hmm. And then with tequila or rum, when you drink that, it just totally reminds me of a, a pineapple chop, which is like it's just for me, it's 100 percent nostalgic. 
that that drink 100% nostalgic. And one of the other things about the um, a chow is you're always trying to get um, it as spicy as you can get it without like uh, going overboard. And that's another like attribute. What's that? It's a balance. Exactly. But you're trying to like almost cross the line, but just not too far, right? Like it's uh, my pear lime ginger jalapeno, I think is more balanced for spicy. I think the the pineapple habanero, it's a, it's spicy, right? Like, so it's a little bit more spicy than, than normally would be. Right. Um, but I, I love it. And growing up, that was almost, almost like a, uh, hot, like who could eat the spiciest pepper sauce, right? Like that was like a, like a, a vote of, of pride or like, Oh, such and such, he can't eat, he can't eat pepper sauce. But yeah. this one, this one can eat pepper. Like, look at her. She can eat pepper. Like, so that was like, that's just like a common like thing. And so like I get that. And even like when I had been built, I didn't make all the flavors at once. I kind of like the first three was the pear, the grapefruit, and the blackberry. And one of the comments just from friends, they're like, I love this pear one, but I wish it was a little bit spicy. I wish it was a so I was like, all right, all right, let's go. I see you. Let's do it. <laughs> and so that's why that pineapple one is, I think it came out really well. I think this, the spice level, it's, it's good, but it's not crazy. Um, and then again, like with the sprig of cilantro, it's for me, it just like, it just brings me back. Okay. That's good to know. That's awesome. All right. Here we go. Last one. Pineapple lime mandarin. Habanero. Cheers again, folks. Here we go. <laughs> Oh yeah. I think that, that one's my favorite. Yeah. Say that. I think <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. That kick. That's good. I'm like, I love spicy anyway. It was like, yeah. I was really excited when I saw that one. That one. <laughs> okay. Game on. <laughs> yeah, the, the three of them are really good. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's this is wow. I literally can't wait to mix a drink later. Uh, <laughs> thank you. This has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. In your time. And you are just an absolute light. Uh, I can't wait to see what you're going to, where this is going to take you um, in the span of the next few months. And, you know, I know you're really busy, hard at work. And thanks again for dropping uh, those samples off. No problem. And, like, you know, Again, I will be in the future, very near future, I will be purchasing this stuff from you as well. So, and this is just a huge reminder to like really have faith in, in the small business um, locally. It's like, you know, research, everyone do your research for, you never know what you're going to find. You're going to find some type of gem anywhere and everywhere. And um, Will, do you want to tell us where our listeners can uh, find you? What's the best way to So I do most of my social media on Instagram yeah. at wicked best. Like that's where I'll auto, I'll auto post it to Facebook, but I spend most of my time on Instagram. That's where yeah. I do most of that stuff. And then my website, www.wickedbest.com. Sure. And those are the two places. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll make sure that I post on my end on both personal and the uh, locally sourced uh, Instagram as well. And just to ensure that, when that gets out and like just to make sure that you get some more foot traffic your way 
And, you know, I think really, honestly, people really need to try this. This is really cool. <laughs> I, I appreciate you so much, Julia. Thank you very much. I, that's awesome. And uh, so everybody, this is Julia. This is Will. Um, this has been the locally sourced and thank you for listening. Uh, go out and get your, um, your bar prep and shrubs and drink mixes ASAP. Go check out Will and Wicked Best on Instagram and online and cheers. Have a great evening and we'll talk to you soon. Cheers. All right.